0: Hey guys, and welcome back to Leadership on Purpose. I am Blake Bozarth, and this is the show that's designed to help you grow your influence and lead with confidence and with humility. And today's topic is, can you have it all? Can you have it all when it comes to family, when it comes to work, when it comes to your friends and community? And our guest today is another amazing entrepreneur and CEO, Sunira Madani. I know a lot of you guys follow Sanira on social media. She's the incredible founder and CEO of Fat Merchant, now known as Stacks. The, the rebrand was announced in this episode, which is super exciting. It's one of the top growing and fastest growing fintech companies globally out of Orlando area, which is amazing and today we're talking about work-life integration versus this misnomer of work-life balance and Sunira's line that life doesn't work in time blocks. Absolutely love that, and we talk about what does it look like to integrate your work, your life in a way that's actually healthy and that your story is your life design so if you really care about the goal you're gonna focus on the system Sanira shares her system for doing this she has a three bucket principle she has her needle movers and it's a it's it ties in perfectly with what we're passionate about with focusing on the system in order to get your most important things done a lot of good overlap there with our four, four by four model we also talk about how do you say no And Sunira says that you're actually going to have more opportunities to say yes to the things that matter if you say no more often. Very powerful. And finally, we close with a discussion around doubling down on your strengths and how do you bring your natural genius, if you will, how do you bring your strengths to bear in your work? And I'm just so excited about this episode. She brings an incredible energy. Quick editor's note, my mic was having issues during this recording, so my volume is lower. So bear with me on that part of the audio. But the great news is that Sunira's audio quality is primo, and she is the star of this show. So I think you guys are going to love this episode. If you do, share it with somebody that you think this will also help grow and be a river, not a reservoir. Without further ado, let's jump into the show. All right, guys, I am so excited to have Sanira Madani on the show today. Sanira, welcome to Leadership on Purpose.
1: Blake, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be an amazing episode just talking to you for the last 15 minutes. I already feel so fueled up to get this episode started because um, I love talking about leadership. I love talking about um, just growing in the growth mindset. And I'm excited to share, share with you guys, whatever I can. So thanks for having me.
0: So excited to have you. We had to cut ourselves off because we're like, okay, we need to start recording because this is going to be good. Um, before we jump into our topic today, our main topic, I would love to hear a little bit about your career story. How did you get to what you're doing today?
1: Well, I'm still on my journey today, but a little bit about my background. So I uh, graduated from university of Florida um, with a degree in finance and marketing and actually a minor in leadership, which I don't get to share often but because this, this it's a cool. leadership podcast I will share that I didn't know that this this was actually going to be useful or I was going to end up becoming an entrepreneur. I had zero desire to become an entrepreneur. I grew up in an immigrant household, um, which I loved all the values that I grew up uh, around. And entrepreneurship was never sexy to me growing up because that was what my parents had to do because they weren't educated. So education was a huge um, uh, thing in our house where we had to get educated. My parents were like, we didn't come to this country, sacrifice everything for my kids not to have an education. And have opportunities. So to them, that was really the American dream, and so my options were pretty much doctor, lawyer, engineer, oh. <laughs> uh, and if I wanted to do business, it was Wall Street and finance. And so I ended up choosing um, I ended up choosing finance as my career choice, and um, was had corporate positions uh, for the first couple years uh, of my life. And, it, you know, I, I, I loved working in corporate for many different reasons uh, because of the stability, because of uh, just the opportunity to um, like to, to really, you know, make myself into something and to really feel, you know, my, make my parents proud, I will say, uh, in their eyes. And so entrepreneurship was not something that I was uh, ever thought that would be in uh, in my path. But I guess it is in my blood. And I was working um, a couple years out of college for a payments company, specifically a merchant services company, which was not sexy at all. Mm. And I was uh, selling payments, like payment terminals to small businesses. And I pretty much started ground ground up um, in this industry. And I learned very quickly that there was so much opportunity because nobody was listening to the actual business owner who had so many issues. And as a daughter of an immigrant who has had, like we've had multiple businesses in our lives and we, I grew up in small business. I understood that payments were the heart of every small business. And if that component doesn't work, or if that component um, isn't valuable and th- there is a problem there and nobody was actually providing value to small businesses instead payment companies were just charging fees and taking And so as a finance major, super data nerd, I was like, wait, all of these transactions flowing through in this little cube, that's data. And that has a lot of information. Why is nobody doing anything with that information? Let's find out when our customers come. Let's find out the busiest times. Let's find out what they're purchasing. Let's find out what's in their shopping cart. And so I set out on a mission to go get data from the payment terminals themselves and another thing that was a huge um, you know, piece in our industry was there was not just that there wasn't a technology, but there was also no transparency. And so I pitched uh, my, this idea to my bosses um, at the time, mail bosses at the time, and said, hey, I think we need to launch the first subscription in payments. Nobody has a subscription-based model and I'm like, I was, I'm an elder millennial is like, I like to call myself. And I was subscribing to every product like that I could get my hands on uh, for subscription. And this is mm. pre-subscription economy. So this is 2013, mm. right? So um, although it's like what, set, uh, eight years now, but it's, it's, that was a, that was a long time from the subscription economy mm. led. And uh, they hated the idea. And then of course I did what uh, every smart entrepreneur does is I left my job. And then I set out on a mission to go build this payment platform and uh, found Mr. Visa, found all the card brands. I'm like skipping fast forwarding all the hard years of actually getting this company off the ground, but Launched Fat Merchant, uh, which is now Stacks, actually. So you're probably going to be the first to hear about the rebrand. Uh, we haven't publicly announced it, but by the time that this episode airs, the rebrand will probably already have taken place. That's exciting. And built uh, the first subscription based payment processor and built the most incredible technology tools to help small businesses and software companies really embed payments and create, you know, understand their business better, understand the health of their business. Um, and just grow their business. And so that is what fat merchant does as stacks does. And since inception, um, we've actually grown quite tremendously. I've raised over hundred million in venture capital. We're doing 8 billion in payments. to so this little idea that lived in my head, um, actually made it and now i get to lead i lead an organization of over 130 beautiful humans that i'm obsessed with and that are my why every day we serve over 12,000 customers and it has been just the most ridiculous story and i cannot believe that it's mine
0: i i get fired up hearing that and i'm just so i'm so glad to be able to have you on the show because your story is amazing and i've i've seen you on social media if you're not following sanira you need to make sure you're doing that because she does incredible um with instagram and all things social media um but i want to dive deeper on something that i know you're really passionate about and that is um this concept of can you have it all can you have it all when it comes to business to life to family um to community And I know you have a principle that you live by, and I'd love to dive into that with you. Tell us about your three bucket principle.
1: Absolutely. And can you have it all? I mean, that is the million dollar, billion dollar question. Can you have it all? And I've always been told that you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. Mm. And that was something that I struggled with because while I was growing fat Merchant, So the company was growing really rapidly. I was raising capital. I also had, I was we, my husband and I had just gotten married. So I'm obsessed with my husband. We've been together for over 12 years. Uh, and now we have two beautiful daughters, uh, but we were going through like we had just gotten married. We were just starting family planning, but my, but the company was just taking off. I mean, we were, we had just finished our series a funding. I was looking to start doing series B funding and, I was like, do I start family planning? Cause that was the plan. I mean, I was hitting 30 and our family plan was at, but you know, when I turned 30 that we would uh, we would start our family, we would start, we would start trying to have a baby. And as a woman, um, that obviously falls on me. Uh, but uh, it, it's also um, I was, it, I was in a place where I didn't, I felt like I had to choose, like I had to choose between, Being a career woman and literally sacrificing, I've sacrificed everything to build a company to where it is today. And, or do I take a step back and have a family and figure out how to do it all. And I never found any examples. Like nobody was sharing that journey of being able to have it all. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to stop my, my family life but I also didn't want to stop my business that I worked so damn hard for just because I wanted to also become a mother. And so we went for it and, um, I was fundraising while pregnant and I, that journey was one fundraising was just very difficult and raising capital. I know you're from Orlando, Florida. We're not a huge tech hub. It's not like yeah. we have all these VCs in our backyard today. So raising capital, um, while pregnant was so difficult mm. and I was told, so I was told, I mean, I, the amount of times that I've been told no in my career, it's too many to count. And it's it's just uh, it was unfortunate that even me being pregnant would come up in conversations of well what you know am I actually people would not take me seriously like the questions being asked even in the room today or in that room at that time were well what's going to happen what's your maternity leave plan men would never get asked that question they wouldn't even know if their wives were at home pregnant so there is definitely one hundred percent of bias there. Uh, but got through it all and raised 15 million in venture funding that I needed as my next step. I did it all again with my uh, second daughter because we knew we wanted to have a second baby. The company continued to grow, but it wasn't easy, right? Juggling, um, mom life, especially brand new mom life and having two toddlers under three and having a company that is doing 5 billion in payments and we're growing as fast as we were, wow. um, You were like the top 10 fastest growing FinTechs in America, a lot of pressure and a lot of pressure to, to choose, but I did not want to choose. And so the answer for me was that I can have it all and I'm going to show everybody that I can have it all. And so I started actually sharing my journey on Instagram. This is when Instagram stories had first come out. Yep. And so I'd literally be with my, you know, with my kids in the morning, getting them to school. And then I'd be on my way to the office and here's like a board meeting happening. And then in the afternoon, I'm flying to Atlanta because that's where my investors were. I opened up four offices across the nation. I was literally on planes every week and this is pre pandemic, but I was doing it. I was tired, very tired, but I was living my definition of having it all and that story that I was sharing on social media was really just to inspire the other women that never had anybody t- that said that they could have it all as well. And so then I started building um, this community online, which became um, pretty massive. And now is it, like an entire, uh, there's, I don't know, I think over a hundred thousand women in, in this community um, wow. this community is called CEO school. And it was organically forming and I finally gave it a name this last year. Uh, But it was a women's empowerment community that I didn't know that I was fostering and building, but I started sharing that journey online. And so the whole premise is, yes, you can have it all and you can have it all, all at once, I do believe, but it takes balance. And the three bucket principle that I'm going to share with you is how I run my life every single day. And I think it has helped many, uh, to really just distribute that balance. So a lot of people always say, um, how do you do it all? What does that balance look like? What's work-life balance? And there is no such thing as work-life balance. It's called work-life integration. Yes. Okay. Work-life integration. And how I do this is the following. So, and I'm going to lead you guys through an exercise for the audience listening here. I really believe in the rule of three. You can't have too many things as well. So having it all doesn't mean that you're gonna do a hundred million things. So for me, it's three things. And the three things for me are my family and friends are always first foremost. So like my personal, my, my life. And then, and that includes me in there as well. So I'm part of my family. So self is also oh. part of that. And so we forget that component. So I wanna remind us of that. So for me, it's family and my family includes my immediate family, myself and my immediate friends. The second thing that's most important to me is fat merchant and stacks. Like this is my baby. This is just as much of my baby as my, my children are. And so for me, my company is super important. And then third, this community that I've created is also important. I have a podcast called CEO school. I have a community. I do a lot of women's empowerment stuff. I'm on a mission to help, um, you know, a hundred women in the next two years hit, Uh, The 2% club, which is less than 2% of female founders ever break a million in revenue. So Uh this community is important to me, right? So I've got three things that are massive that are important. That's it. Everything else I have to say no to. I have to. I cannot say yes to anything else that isn't those three buckets, that doesn't fill those three buckets. And balance, how you strike balance is this. Every day, you're not going to be a hundred percent on any of those buckets, Hmm. but if you zoom out for the week, you have to fill all of those buckets. So if I'm traveling and I'm away from my kids and I have two days of crazy work happening for fat merchant, and I'm all in at this conference and I'm speaking, I'm doing this, I'm making partnerships. I have a pretty big bucket filled in fat merchant in stacks, but. My family bucket isn't there, but when I'm on home on the weekends, that is 100% present family time. So I'm filling that bucket or even during the week, having one-on-one quality time with my kids without my husband, without anything, yeah. without any distractions, I'm able to fill that bucket communities the same way it's integrated. So how can I integrate that as part of my week where it's not, I have to spend my entire weekend focused on community and, you know, building um, this community or doing coaching or doing podcasts on the weekends because I don't have time in the week. It's integrated into my work schedule. So really that is what work-life integration is about. And when you zoom out at the end of the week, all three of your buckets are full and they may not be full every day. And you're going to have really great filled buckets for during whatever time of the week it is. But at the end of the week, you're going to feel so accomplished. And that just adds up every single week. And that is how you can have it all.
0: Oh, I love this. I'm so glad that I let you run. There's so much gold there. And I love one of the concepts I want to come back to is this concept of uh, work-life balance, kind of being a misnomer. And it's really about integration. And how do you do that in a healthy way? Tell me more about that. When, when did you have that aha? And how do you how do you integrate? Because it's not so much about compartmentalizing different parts of your life. It's like, you are, you are a badass CEO, right? That's, that's who you are. And for you to say, turn that off and say, okay, now I'm going to be just a friend or I'm just going to be this. It's, it's not an either or compartmentalization. It's an integration, but it needs to be done in a healthy way. So what does that look like for you?
1: I'm so glad that you asked that because I'm a huge proponent of time blocking. I love time blocking. You can definitely get into your zones that way. But it, life doesn't work that way. And you're right, Blake. Like you can't just be like, I'm a great mom right now and I'm or, or I'm going to be a great friend or I'm going to be a great CEO. <laughs> like you are a human. You can be yeah. all of the things, right? You can, you, and you have to be. And so the integration component is, it's really about, um, I would say, it really is that calendar mastery i think and it doesn't have to be either or or one and some people work great in the in in their in their time blocking and that's fine if you work in that way you know i don't want to discount discount that but life doesn't work in time blocks all day long it doesn't and so for me it's really just checking in with myself to say what are the most important things for me today and making sure that my buckets are reflected in that day And so I have, I'm a huge uh, uh, believer in journaling. I journal every single day. I actually launched my own journal at the end of last year. And I have a really fun club around it. Um, And my journal for me, it's very therapeutic, but it's also very action driven. And so, you know, I have what I call my needle movers every day. So I have five needle movers every single day. And you bet that I have a needle mover for all components of my life. Like it's not just here's what I need to get done for work or here's what I need to get done for myself or for my family or for CEO school. It's, it's all of it. Um, And I think by having very um, like specific action items for yourself and habits, even like reminders and habits. So I have this thing called a weekly scorecard in there and I have those three buckets listed out and you can have your three buckets, however you want to, but I literally will write my habits. So for self that could be um, you know, I like to, I'm trying to find a really cool hobby. Uh, Right now, I'm trying out this hip hop dance class. (laughs) So I have that. So I'll put in like, okay, once a week, and I'll put in like the amount of time date night once a week is super important to me uh, to have just quality time with you. And my
0: wife would get along, by the way the hip hop, the date night. Yeah. She'd be all about it.
1: Well, that's awesome. I'm excited to be friends. Um, and even for work, having like habits, like ensuring I check in with my team my one-on-ones with my team. And so you can put in, um, you can check yourself is what I'm saying. And you can create systems and I'm a huge believer in systems. So just create good systems around you to check yourself. And then it becomes innate, right? Then it becomes, you know, in tune, like you don't have to tell an athlete that he has to like work out this way. Right. He just does it. He just knows at one point, He, he knows his body. He knows how to, you know, where he's at his max, where he's at his low, how much energy to put out at what given days we're athletes in our own world. And so, but sometimes we need structure. And so finding a way to give yourself some structure for me, calendars work great to have that structure for me, writing them down, having specific goals for the week really help. But again, it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. And you're going to have weeks that are not going to be exactly how you had planned it, but start and I do it on Sundays. So Sundays for me, I take some time for myself and I really do map out my week. And that's been huge for me.
0: Love that. There's a couple of things I want to draw out. One is I love the focus on systems. And one of my favorite James clear quotes, he's the guy behind atomic habits, the book. He talks about how, if you really care about the goal, you're going to focus on the system. And so just what you broke down there and how this, you have systems that help you prioritize the things that matter. That's incredible because you can always have the desire. You can always have the goal and the dream for what you want to do. If you want to have it all. And that's, I love that. I love that desire, but unless you have systems in your life that enable that, you're going to be swimming upstream, right? So that's one. The second thing that I'm getting is um, a lot of people, they'll try to prioritize their schedule, right? And what I'm hearing from you is that you're actually scheduling your priorities, and yeah. that's like, that's like an inverse. And I love that. And it's like, you got to think about what are those three things for you? What are those handful of things that you really want to prioritize? And it's being intentional around having systems. And then you get to arrange your life. You you, you rule your life. Don't let your life rule you, right? Love that.
1: No, and that is success, right? It's not about how much, like, I think that we have, Sometimes we have it wrong in terms of we're such perfectionists as humans, or we are, like we have such big goals, which is great, but it stops us from even getting started, or it stops us from even just appreciating the journey. And this is all this is. This is just the journey. Like I, and when you ask me about my story, I'm like I'm still writing it. Um, I don't know. I'm so excited for like what's ahead for for me. Every year it gets bigger and better and. And there's things that I, I'm always like pivoting and adjusting to make it fit to what I want in my life. And for your listeners and everybody out here listening, you know, your story is, it's your life by design. Like this is your life to design. And so don't let anybody design your life for you or society define what that looks like or work rules define what that looks like. And if things aren't the way that you want them to be, then change it right. And actually do something about it uh, because you have more control than you actually think that you do.
0: Preach love this. All right. So I want to, I want to pick up on another concept here that I I heard from you and that's around being able to say no. And how does that look for you? How I'm sure you, I know there's so many opportunities that come along for you, right? How do you say no? Any practical tips?
1: It is the hardest thing to do, by the way, for me. It's so hard. I am such a yes person. This concept, this, I know I needed to say no, but it was still very difficult for me to actually practice. And I was fooling myself into thinking that I was practicing it, but I really wasn't. And setting healthy boundaries didn't really come into play for me until probably, I think a year ago. And I was breaking where I knew that I was not having healthy boundaries is when I was truly feeling burnt out everywhere. I was saying yes to every speaking opportunity. I was saying yes to talking, taking every coffee date, every zoom date, helping every woman that I possibly could. And as much as my intentions are there to try to do as much good as possible, it was actually um, um, limiting me and, and actually living my life mm. healthy, which is then limiting me into actually contributing to the good that I wanted to at first contribute to yeah. until I realized that, it actually doesn't have to be, I think I created this huge story, which I think is probably true for many, many humans. Like we just create these like big stories of how hard it is to say no. And like, I never, I don't, I wanna, I don't wanna be not liked. Like we're humans. Like one of our biggest uh, how we operate is like a sense of belonging. Like we want to be included. And if I say no again to my friends for something, they're gonna not invite me, right? Because Sanera is always saying no, or Sanera is never around or if I say no to this one opportunity that's coming or this partner that I'm like, ah, this partner's kind of okay. And we can definitely deviate our product roadmap right now to go include this partner, because I really want to say yes, but it's not the right move for the business, but I don't, I don't want to let people down. And there is an opportunity. So you find an excuse to like make it happen until everything starts breaking apart because you're not focused. And I think the success actually comes from being super hyper-focused and and, uh, you have to say no. And so when I kind of broke, like broke away from, uh, like that fear and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it because I still have that fear all the time when I have to say no, like it does, like I get this pit in my stomach and I have to be like, okay, but I know it's right. And I just very directly, easily just say, no, thanks. Like I just can't right now. And just being vulnerable and you can be vulnerable. You can give contacts, like no one stops you from giving contacts to say, um, uh, it's it's a no, right? And just not at this time. Like it doesn't have to be a no for the future. See, there's other ways of saying no and, and maybe connecting them with the other partner or another business that yeah. might be a better suit or connecting them with, Hey, not right now at this time, but I have an incredible leader um, in my organization that could be perfect fit for this podcast. I'd love to rise up. And so I think that there are, um, it's, it's, it's a big story that we tell ourselves that it's really, really hard and it's not. And, and nine out of 10 times people are really understanding and respectful of that. No, if it's done in like the right way. Um, and so it's just something that has to be done and not everything deserves a no. I, I actually encourage all of you guys to say yes to some things that you may not want to say yes to, and to stretch a little further in some areas that, you know, you have growth opportunity to say, I'm going to put myself in an uncomfortable position and say yes and reach higher. Maybe um, and that was something, and that will, you'll have more opportunity to do, to say yes, if you say no more often.
0: So. Ooh. Ooh, that was good. That's a oh, quotable. Okay. That's a quotable right there. <laughs> That's I love quotable. that.
1: Let's quote that one.
0: I love that. Okay. Before uh, we move on to some standard questions, I want to make sure I get to ask you, I know you're also big on this principle of playing to your strengths and really owning your strengths. What does that look like for you and your own leadership and how do you coach others along that way?
1: Yeah, so actually, we were, earlier we were discussing about some leadership um, techniques or things that I love by for leadership, and and uh, one of the things I, that Blake and I were chatting about was owning your strength. I think we discount ourselves so much for all the things we have that we're lacking in all the time. Like we're, you know, looking for feedback. We're always looking to get better, and those things are great, and we should always have that growth mindset. But I think what's play, what we we aren't playing is actually oh, like double downing on our strengths to yes. say, what are the things that really make us special? And so I really challenge everyone listening uh, to say, what am I really good at? And is it problem solving? Is it listening? Is it? um, you know, taking action. Is it working on, is it, is it, is it social media? Is it whatever it is that you're really, really good at? It's usually paired with something you're really passionate about as well. Mm. And so when you're passionate about something and you're really good at it, you should be the one to own that for your company, your organization, and the company is actually going to benefit so strongly from you owning that component because naturally you're just, you're natural at it. And then two, you're also very passionate about it. And so, owning your strength is um, something that I encourage all our leaders at Fat Merchant to do, at Stacks to do, um, even at CEO School. And actually, in the cl- we have a I have a uh, we have a club. We have this membership club for uh, for women that is incredible. And this month's challenge for March is actually owning our strengths. So we've we did a workshop around um, how to identify what our strengths are, and it really just comes down to you assessing that, and then how do we actually do more of that. And that is where I think that we should be focusing our time is owning those strengths and then deleting or delegating the things that are not and raising your hand and asking for help on the things that you've identified are not your strength. So instead of focusing all our time, trying to improve those weaknesses, why don't we take the time to actually double down on our strengths and let somebody else who's really good in the areas that we're not double down on their strengths right there. So I think that's a better use of my time and my leader's time. For me to work on them, focusing on their the the good, than actually me discounting and saying, "Oh, hey, you have an area of improvement here. Go work on that." I'd rather him work on or her work on where she's actually strength has a strength, and then complementing it with people whose whose strengths are not uh, whose whose strengths are what the other person's gaps may be. If that huh. makes sense.
0: It makes total sense. And we're speaking the same language here. And we we like to use this term called natural genius. Okay. So what is that natural genius for you? And like you said, it's something that you love and that you're naturally good at. A talent or a strength may be something that you're good at. A hobby could be something that you like. But when you combine what you love, what you're passionate about, as you said, Sanira, with something that you're naturally good at, that's like your natural genius. That's your superpower, if you will. And it's number one, it's being aware of what that is, right? And if you have trouble with that, ask people around you, they'll be able to help you figure that out, right? Ask them what they think that you're naturally, what, what are you bringing to the table that is unique to you? And then it's owning that. So I loved the concept of the doubling down. Um, it's so good. And it, one last thing I'll share that that I think is, is, it kind of brings this point home is when you talked about how people can spend a lot of time working on their weaknesses, think about it as a scale from like one to 10, maybe you're, you're naturally, you're a three in something. And if you worked really, really hard at it, you could become a five in it right over time wow but think about the things that maybe you're naturally an eight in or maybe you're a seven and a half in and if you worked really hard at it you could become world class in that and you take that those eights and nines and you move them to tens that's where the value is that's where you're happiest and that's where the value is that you drive for your organization so i get fired up about this so i'm so i'm so glad that you shared that uh, before we let you go, I want to hit you with a couple of standard questions. And the first you kind of mentioned before, but I'd love to pre expound on it. What is your why, Sanira? What is it that drives and motivates you?
1: Oh, I love that question. My why goes beyond me. And my biggest why is people. I know it's going to sound really cheesy, but I'm really motivated by helping others. So that has been, and I, I realized that when I started Fat Merchant, um, my i never wanted to actually start a like i didn't want to become i was like reluctant to start this business but i cared so much about that small business owner and that was my why in the beginning for that then my why and my why shifts um in its seasons but it always comes back to like the humans behind it and then it became about my team when it became greater than me and i had um i just remember i think we're at like 50 employees we had crossed in like 2018. And it stopped becoming about even the company. It really became about them. I mean, that is a huge responsibility that you take on um, as an entrepreneur, is the people and their lives and their livelihoods and their families and their children's futures that you are ultimately responsible for. That's a huge responsibility. And I never took that lightly. And so my, my team became my why. And then even further, even with CEO school, you know, it was never about my personal brand or, um, you know, I've had a lot of, uh, you know, great accolades and, and influence and things that like, I could have never imagined. I mean, like this year's like fortune 40 under 40 was like the height of my career, height of my career, but it wasn't about me. Uh, That that was about me. That was, that was about me. But it's so hard to make it about me because for me, it was really about how can I inspire and help? more women actually start businesses because I was that young girl at 26 that was told no, that her idea was going to not never make it. I was told no saying that I could never raise the capital. I was told no, that no one's going to want to, uh, to invest in me. And if I, if I didn't have, like, I, I found the intrinsic push and I had the support around me from my family and friends, but a lot of people don't have that. And so my why became sharing my story so that that young brown girl out there that is out there, that's not starting a business, um, can see that and go start it. And then it becomes further about, about, it's not just about her. It's really about making an impact. And so my why is really the people and it's the impact that I can have with my success. And, um, and I feel really inspired by that every day.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I'm inspired by that too. Next question for you is what is, if you could choose one way, what is one way that you've grown since you've started your career? One way you've grown as a leader.
1: Stop giving about what anybody else thinks. I don't know if I'm I'm allowed to swear, but uh, you can bleep that out. I used to care so much about what other people thought of me. Um, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be judged, right? Like this feeling of judgment, um, you know, who does she think it, she is? She's going to just start a business. Who does she think she is? She's going to, you know, be, like go online or be, what does she think she is? She's an influencer. Who does she think she is? She's a celebrity doing interviews. Like you just have all of these crazy stories in your head and also this fear of what other people think. And it used to um, actually stop me from doing things and stop me from showing up and stop me from. Um, being the leader that I am and just owning my strength to say, hey, I'm not great at that. Like, this is what I'm good at, even within my company. And I would say that once I stopped caring so much about the opinions, it was just liberating. And I wish that I had learned, that was part of my journey. I think that people will tell you that. You will come to your own journey of when you realize that it just doesn't matter. Um, And maybe that was probably the difference, me in my 20s as a leader and me in my 30s as a leader, just, just natural maturing. Um, and I just don't give enough. give enough. An and it's really fun to really be myself and be really authentic and do what I want to do. And again, design the life that I want to live and, and be and, and, and live in. And, um, so I feel pretty empowered by that. So that's what I would say is what has changed in my, in my leadership.
0: Wow. I can resonate with that so much. It's not even funny. Love that you shared that. All right. Here's a fun one for you what is your personal BHAG? Do you have a big hairy audacious goal that you're kind of shooting for? That's kind of personal to you.
1: Oh, uh, I feel vulnerable saying this, uh, which I shouldn't, but this is, this is the fears of putting it out there. I would like to be a New York times bestselling author one day. So Let's I would go share this story and, uh, um, be a best-selling author. So that is a big, hairy, audacious goal of, of mine personally in my you, career.
0: You heard it here first. We're going to play this back when this happens. <laughs> Let's do I it. I am I am so confident that's going to happen, Sanira, that it's also not even funny. Uh, last question for you is where could our audience find you? Where, where's the best place to follow you?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram all day, every day at <laughs> Sanira Madani. Uh, I share my crazy behind the scenes life on my stories, you'll see my kids, you'll see business, you'll see empowerment stuff. You'll see, um, you know, you'll see me teaching. And so I'm there at scenario Madani. You can also find me, um, at my show at CEO school. So check out uh, my podcast. If you guys are obviously podcast listeners, so check out the show. Uh, but yeah, you can tag me on social media and say hi and drop me a DM. I'm actually personally in my DMs. Um, and so I'm happy to hear your stories and, uh, connect.
0: Awesome. This has been an absolute blast. Thanks so much for joining. Can't wait to see you continue to crush it going forward. What would it mean for your organization if your leaders became significantly more effective? At CoThrive, we help good leaders transform into exceptional leaders, and we do it in a way that builds camaraderie and deeper connection to your company for a fraction of the cost of less effective alternatives. If you're interested in learning more, find me on LinkedIn and just shoot me a message. As always, guys, keep leading on purpose.